Hello and welcome to the first episode of Retro Recall, the PS1 Chronicles, a show where we play and rank every PS1 game ever created. My name is Jimmy, and as always, I'm here with Mike. Hello. So here it is, the first episode, huh? The very first episode. And I have to say, I've been excited all week to finally start creating content again. I know, me too. It's been such a blast uh, in the past uh, making content, and we've had a long break but we're back with a new show and it's just been so, so exciting. I know we've been working on this for probably about a month now, getting started, figuring out what the idea is, all the logistics, all that stuff. But I think we have a solid idea and this is going to be a lot more fun, in my opinion, and a lot less work than before. So A lot less work. Uh, just the amount of time. I don't think people realize how much time we put into those videos in the past. It was, I, I couldn't even quantify how long because... There'd be days where we record three different games, but we're up from like eight in the morning until three in the morning the next day. And it's just, it was chaos. No, I remember a lot of those days where you'd be in the other room editing and I'd be in the other one sitting there writing a script, then doing all the voiceover for the next episode. And it was just felt like the never ending grind for sure. And then after that, after we were done editing and doing the voiceover, we would jump right into the next game for like two weeks out or three weeks out. It was non-stop to say the least it was fun you know getting to play a lot of games that i had never played before and you know i had an excuse to force myself to play them you know but now it's still kind of that it's still you know i'm picking games that i do have interest in but it's also i think there's going to be a random element to it too you know so many ps1 games you never know what you're going to get exactly and we're going to come across a lot of games we've never even heard of uh, and it's going to be a fun experience regardless. And I'm sure a lot of games that are going to be, you know, pretty much unplayable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's going to be a fun experience. We get to uh, see the good, the bad. Obviously, with our favorites, we're going to see, does this hold up in a way to how we remember it as a kid? And what games or what like hidden gems did we miss out on because we just never heard about it? Yeah, no, uh, I'm excited. You know, I... I had a lot of PS1 games as a kid, but most of them were the like, you know, heavy hitters games that, you know, everybody still knows and that have been, you know, re-released or they're still getting sequels today, whatever. Like a lot of those one-offs and a lot of those like shittier games, I've just never really played. You know, you see them, you, I recognize the name, but I've never played them. Right. And I think a big reason behind that was because the bigger names was something that you knew was reliable because everyone was talking about them. If you saw a game that you didn't recognize the name, uh, why would you buy something and take the risk spending your money on a game you don't really know too much about? Exactly. And, you know, we've talked about this before, too. But, like, as a kid, you really only get a couple games a year. Like, you know, I had family members that would take us to buy games every once in a while. And on top of that, you know, you got your birthday and Christmas. And that's really it. Exactly. I remember for Christmas, I would have to meticulously pick out the games I wanted and edit the list of like, which ones are the most important that I really, really want because I know I'm not going to get that many. Oh, exactly. I did the exact same thing. But yeah. So we've been preparing for this all week. What else have you been up to this week? Honestly, just preparing for this. I've been excited and looking into stuff, playing the game again, which I can't wait to talk about that. That's a whole conversation. But mm -hmm. yeah, I've just been looking forward to recording this. It's been a lot of anticipation for this weekend. <laughs> How about you? I do have one thing I want to tell you about. I uh, 
I started playing this indie game because I was in a situation this week where I just had my Steam Deck for a little bit and I'm like, you know, I have all these indie games I got. I want to try something new. So I started playing this game called Pizza Tower. You ever heard of it? I have never heard of it. Okay. So it's a spiritual successor to the Wario Land games. Interesting. You know, the side-scrolling platformer where you're collecting things and then at the end, you have to race back to the beginning. Oh, okay. And it's all based around, you know, pizza. That's pretty cool. I want to check this out once we're done recording. It is really sick. And the art style is the best part because it kind of looks like uh, like Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy style. Oh, okay. So like a 2D animated. Yeah, but it, it kind of looks like what if somebody drew Ren and Stimpy in MS Paint? That's, wow, that's an interesting image in my head. <laughs> it's really sick. I've, I played it for a few hours and I've went back to it a few times since the day I played it. And I'm probably going to beat it eventually. You know, it's very hard, but fun. Yeah. I don't. I, I think you might like it. It's one of those things. It's always funny when we started this channel. Uh, I learned so many new games because of you. You'll just be like, "Oh, I just randomly started playing this game," and then you tell me about it, and then I start playing it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm a fucking nerd, and I'll look up. You know, there's these YouTube channels that are like indie games released this week, or you know, just watching reviews of games I've never heard of. Like, I've always had that interest, like finding the hidden gems or. Just any game that I've never heard of, if it's in a genre that I already like, I'll try it. Especially like platformers are iffy, but this one had the art style, which drew me in. So I am happy I tried it and I'm definitely going to update you next week on how much I played it, if I played it at all. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. And I'm going to definitely look into the trailer and all that stuff once we're done recording. Yeah, no, it, also, it got a lot of really good reviews from like the actual big publications too. So it's not like it's like, some super hidden gem or anything, but it came out this year. Oh, okay. I just feel like there's so much that comes out that I just lose track of what's happening with the gaming world. Yeah, this year has been kind of crazy. There's just so many big hitters coming out. I've played so many games just like back to back, like huge games. And sometimes you just need a break with like a smaller indie game or something, you know? Oh, of course. Uh, and then you also have all the uh, negative stuff in the gaming world. Like, for example, with the Cyberpunk release, and then that was terrible, and games are still continuing to do that even this year, and it's just a mess. Yeah, I mean, I played Cyberpunk when it came out, and I, you know, I had a good time, but it was definitely an experience, and it has led me to make sure that I look at reviews first before I get a game. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Cyberpunk was literally the last game I pre-ordered before it came out. Oh, okay. I learned my lesson. <laughs> But yeah, that's really all I've been doing this week other than preparing for this. So uh, let's get right into this game. So Crash was released on September 9th, 1996, developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony. And, you know, it has many, many sequels, spinoffs, whatever you want to call them. And it was even remade in 2017 as part of that insane trilogy with the first three games. Right, which I still need to buy. It's on my wish list that I never committed to buying. So one thing about, I mean, we're obviously playing the first one and we're going to be covering two and three uh, within this show as well. At some point, yeah. So we can't really go too much into two and three. But uh, how did you find out about Crash Bandicoot? originally i honestly don't know i i want to say i probably saw the ads 
on TV because, you know, there's so many famous ones, like the one where Crash is outside of Nintendo screaming. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, I think I got it when I got my PS1 when I was a kid. Like, it was the first game I got, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. I think, for me, it was, and this is why I said we'll talk about it later, but it started with Crash Bandicoot uh, Warped is where my interest in Crash Bandicoot started. Really? Only because, again, didn't have too many games, and I believe there was a demo of Warped on like a little demo disc thing. That is the exact demo disc that I got with my PS1 too. Was it with the submarine level? No, mine had one of the tiger levels on it. Okay, yeah, mine was the submarine level. And I remember it's a very short level. I don't even think it was the full complete level, but I loved that so much that I went back and started playing Crash Bandicoot 1 because I found out about it there. It's funny that you say that because I remember that submarine level fucking sucking so bad. Yeah, I don't know what drew me in. I think it's just... For me, it was something new that I didn't really see before. Mm -hmm. And the art style, the character, it just seems so fun. And then I remember my cousins playing, I want to say it was the same game. And I specifically remember the dog level. Or no, not the dog, the polar bear. Oh, yeah, that's Crash 2. Crash 2. Okay, so my I saw my cousins playing Crash 2. And then th that sold me on the whole Crash series because it was just so cool to see that. I wanted to go back and try it and see what this game was about. Crash 2 is my favorite, by the way. I, I won't speak too much of a, about it here because we're going to be getting into it later, but that is the only one I've 100%ed. Oh, wow. That's that's a huge tool. Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to get into that one too much here, but I never beat the first one as a kid, though, ever. I Yes. it. I can't even imagine how much time it would take to complete the first game. With our experience of replaying it now... I would never have the urge to 100% this game. Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to think about when I would have gotten this right. So if I got this when Crash Warped was out, that would be, I would have been like six or seven years old. Like, yeah, there's no way I'm beating that game, dude. I can't believe how poor of an experience this was playing this again. I don't know if you felt the same way. Really? I didn't. I didn't think you were going to go this negative already. I So we can just get right into it. I mean, we can start with kind of general thoughts and then kind of get deeper. But yeah, I did not remember it feeling this bad. That was my first thought too when I first jumped in. So I played the first and second level like probably seven or eight times just figuring out because, you know, when I was capturing and getting set up for the first time, I had to relearn how to do all this stuff because we haven't done it in so long. So I just kept playing those levels over and over again as a test. You know, I was sending you clips too. And it was just so weird. Like the the jumping. The jumping is the number one thing that's off in this 100%. game. 100%. I died so many times because of the jumping. Either it's not accurate or it's too accurate or it's over accurate. And I just could never get it perfected at all. I think it's the depth perception, right? It's like... When you're jumping, it feels like you don't know where you're going to land sometimes. Like, are you going to go past it? Or are you going to go too short? You just have to, like, hope for the best, you know? Yeah, and there were so many levels where I was staring at the shadow underneath him more than I was staring at the game. Yes. And it was the only way for me to play specific levels because I had no clue where my character was going to go or where I was going at all. Especially towards the end of the game, like, when it gets really tough, it is so annoying to feel like you're losing not because of your skill, but because of the game and the way that it's just old. 
you know? Yeah, the hitboxes are off, so you could you feel like you made a jump or you cleared an enemy, but the game tells you no. Uh, you know how many times I just ran into enemies because I thought I was like spinning in time, but it's just that one frame too late. Yep, so you or die. you think they're closer than they really are because they're coming at you and you mistimed the perception of it. Yeah, I mean, so how, how much of this game did you play this time? Because, you know, I fully beat it. I only got one level 100%, just literally just so I could have the footage. I didn't want to do it. Right. But yeah, how much did you play? So I did roughly about three and a half hours, three hours. Uh, I made it to the factory levels. Oh, so you were like right near the end. I was pretty much towards the end, yeah. The whole 100% thing. What level was it that you 100%ed? The first level. Okay. I'm so glad you said that. I spent at least a good half hour trying to 100% that first level. I could not do it because of that fucking bridge of boxes. Uh-huh. I was just about to say that. I just, I kept doing it over and over again. Like, just, I was so close. I mean, you'll see in the footage, um, I just kept doing it and I would always miss one and then I tried to go back for the one I missed and then I wouldn't be able to make it back. Yeah. And the anxiety to make sure you're going just a tidbit forward every single time to land on the next box. Oh, dude, I, I was sweating, <laughs> you know? And it's the first level. It should not make you sweat that much on the first level to get all those boxes. Yeah, and, you know, like in the second and third game, you know, you can do that thing where as you're playing, it saves the boxes that you get. Right. But in the first one, it doesn't do that. So, like, if you die, you have to do the whole fucking thing again. And that's why I picked the first level because it's nice and short. Because there is no way I was going to do one of the later levels and just suffer through that, you know? Especially how long some of them are. No way. Yeah, and even on the second level, this was another one I attempted to get 100% on. You can't. I can't, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that because I think I know the answer, but I finished it. It said I had three boxes missing, but I ran through that level multiple times and I could not figure out where three boxes were. Those are hidden ones, right? It's because you didn't have the gem. That's what I thought. So, you, so this game also has the color gems, which I'm pretty sure they do in all the games. I know they do in two. I don't know about three, but some of the levels later in the game have those color gems. And then in earlier levels, the color gem will allow you to get somewhere else. So in the second level, I know this one for sure. There's that one part where you go underneath and there's like a checkpoint and there's like a, you're under a roof and you can go up with the gem. So the oh. gem will show up there, a green gem. You jump on it and then it takes you up and you get three boxes. Ah, that makes sense. That's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels shitty. I, you know, I can't, couldn't think of a better word. It just, I, I don't like it. It feels almost disrespectful. It's like, it's the second level of the game and they're basically like, fuck you, play the rest of it, you know? And the way you said that was perfect because in my notes, I put down that this game is just mean. It's a very mean game to its players. Dude, especially some of those later levels, like, uh, the 2D room levels, like uh, what's the one called? Slippery Climb. Yeah. When you're jumping up and it's just all these little things that are meant to catch you off guard. And it's just, it's not even fun sometimes. It's literally like you're just playing and it's just trying to get you at any second. Yeah. And the whole point of some of these levels is let's, or you have to remember the timing of some stuff. But then once you think you have the timing, it throws something else at you that screws you up completely. Literally, it just feels like sometimes they want you to do trial and error, you know? A hundred percent. On top of that, 
let's say you go through a level and you keep dying to a specific part because you're trying to figure out the timing and all this stuff. You lose all your lives. Now you have to continue. The saving system is so frustrating. Yeah, I luckily did not get any game overs this playthrough, but I, the password stuff is really dumb. And the fact that you can only save if you get the bonus levels, I don't know. But to have such a complicated saving system of, let's say you even get all the things to go into the bonus level, you need to now finish the bonus level to save your game. It almost like makes you want to like, not worry about getting every box in the bonus level and just get to the end so you can save. So my first few bonus levels, I tried to do every box. And then I just got to that point of I'm just trying to stay alive and just get to the end. I don't care if I get all the boxes or not. Yeah, I gave up pretty early on that because, you know, I did remember the whole boxes thing. So there's no point in even trying really. Like unless you really want to settle in and commit to this, I see no reason to do it. Not at all. There's even been times on the bonus levels, which I think I did when we recorded this back in the day for the other show, of there's a jump to one single box to then bounce over to metal boxes. Mm -hmm. And I think I specifically remember when we did this the first time, I jumped and missed that first box and died instantly. That sounds right. And I did it again this time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To have that one jump and just, oh, I already lost the bonus level, so now I can't save my game. Like, it just is very frustrating. And I do like how they fixed it in the sequels, too. They made it so that if you die in the bonus level, you can just go back to it again. And you don't lose a life if you die in the bonus level. Right. I don't think you lose a life in this game if you die in the bonus level either, right? You don't. No, you just lose your chance to save your progress. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everything we're going to complain about this whole episode was fixed in the second game. So, like, props to them for that, at least. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot where it's like, here's this first game. And then for the next times around, okay, what did we do wrong? How can we fix it for the second game? No, I mean, it's their first try to new franchise, right? You know, they, I don't think they really made platforming games before this. As far as I know, I didn't do too much research, but I'm pretty sure Naughty Dog didn't really do anything close to this. So for them to just dive into this, especially with how high the stakes were, you can't really fault them too much for that. Oh, not at all. And it's not like it's a bad first attempt. It's, I think it's just not well thought out in a lot of areas. I think, for the most part, this is still a good game. Yeah, it's just a very rageful game. I don't think it's intended to be that way. Think about it. Before this, a lot of the platforming games were intentionally hard and mean like this. Especially like once you get back into the NES and the Super Nintendo and stuff like that. Those games were intentionally made to make you angry. And if you even go farther to think of like arcade games, right? You know, that's meant to take your money. So at this point, you look at this, you look at Super Mario 64, these first games going into 3D, that's really all they have to go on, right? So it makes sense why this would be so punishing. That's a fair point. But aside from like the negative stuff, I do think it's very satisfying when you have like a whole bunch of boxes around. Oh, dude, whenever there's a big wall of boxes and you just smash them all, it's great. Oh, yeah. It's the best thing in the world. And... Aside from how difficult it is, there's a lot of nice little details in there, too, of if you spin into the fruit, now you shoot your fruit across, and maybe you really needed those, like, two wampa fruits, and you just shot them across the screen. And that also goes into, like, the sound effects are so satisfying, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that up, too. Like, the music and the sound effects are on point, I think, in this game. I don't know how I feel about the music, necessarily. I feel like 
a lot of it kind of blends together, but there are some standouts. You know, I have written in my notes. I really like the music for the fucking uh, the hog level where you ride it. Yeah, yeah. It just fits it so perfectly. <laughs> and also, like, the main theme is just really good, really catchy. And I think they improved on the music more, of course, in the later games, but... Oh, definitely. Yeah, once that intro music hits, it's just like, oh, this takes me back to whenever I first loaded up this game. I want to say I would usually just put the password in that gets you to the end and then I would just fuck around. Oh, okay. I never actually went through the game normally. I don't know where I gave up, but I don't have memories of a lot of the later levels for sure. I am the opposite. I remember like playing through this. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this exactly how it was back in the day. That's crazy. I mean, like I said, I have more memories of two because I played that one way more. Right. But for this one, I would really always just play to like the end of the first island and then it starts to get really hard and then I would probably just give up. I don't remember exactly, but the first like few difficulty spikes are like towards the end of the first island, start of the second one. So that kind of lines up with, I think, what happened to me as a kid. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, in my notes, I wrote down like the first level that I was like, fuck this is like, remember those tribal levels, the, the side scrolling 2D ones? Yeah. The parts where you have to jump and you spin and you turn that thing so you could jump on oh, it. Oh, yes. Yes. You miss one and it sends you all the way back down to the bottom just makes me want to scream. What my technique was, was I would just try to hit the one above me when I'm standing on the one below. And you just got to make sure not to miss your jump because if you do, then you're screwed. No, but it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about like the hitboxes and stuff. I want, I don't know if hitboxes is the right word for what we're talking about. It's like, uh, I don't know, whatever. But when you feel like you're going to make that jump and you're just that little bit short and you just fall straight to the fucking bottom. Yep. Or you land on one and it's, it's about to turn back so you fall anyway. Mm -hmm. That's even worse. It makes me so mad. There are some enemies in that sense of, like on the water levels with the uh, Venus flytrap plants. Yeah. There were several times where the plant was closed. It was about to open. So I timed it so that whenever I was landing on it, it would be open. But the game said, oh, no, sorry, this was closed and we're not in an open state yet. And it would kill me. I do like those levels, though. I think those ones are some of the more fun ones. They are. Yeah, there's definitely fun to it. What I like, though, about the game is how they give you a lot of variety right out of the gate. I think in the second level, they give you the TNT box. It's nothing extreme. It's like, hey, here's the TNT box. So when you're playing, you're like, oh, what does this do? You jump on it. Oh, there's a countdown. And it's kind of like a nice introduction to TNT. True. They just change up the different types of levels right away. So then your third level is the side-scrolling type level. Mm-hmm. Then your fourth level is when you're running at the camera. Okay. So let's stop right there for a second. I love those levels, dude. Those were my favorite as a kid. And even to this day, I love the running at the camera levels. I don't think they have any of them in Warped, but they definitely have them in two. Those, to me, are the most iconic crash levels. Yes. Well, between that and riding, riding an animal of some kind is always like the two that stand out for me in Crash Bandicoot. No, I mean... The boulder levels are just so anxiety-inducing, but, like, on purpose. Yes. It's just so satisfying to get those jumps perfectly and just stay exactly as far away from the boulder as you need to. So, with that, did you die at all on those levels? Uh, on the second one, like, the harder version of it, I definitely died a few times. But it... I don't know. I feel like you have to land those jumps perfectly or else you start to, like, slow down a little bit, you know? Right. So, there are two different times on each level where I died a lot. On the first one, 
there's a part where you're jumping over fences to get away from the boulder. That's the part that gets me too. Yeah, so there's a fence and then a second fence right after that. I swear I was timing the second fence perfectly. And somehow the boulder caught up to me every single time. So I guess I was clipping the fence somehow. That's what I meant by like you have to jump perfectly. Like if you even touch the fence at all, it just like slows you down massively and the boulder gets closer. Yeah. And on the second one, you have those like posts that you have to run side to side to avoid. There's one where I swear I was holding this uh, left button as hard as I could to get to the other side. And I kept hitting uh, one of the posts with like my shoulder and then it would slow me down and I kept dying. And I was getting so angry to get through these levels because it's just tiny little mistakes where you have to be pinpoint accurate on your movements to get through it. No, I mean, that exact point brings us to, I think, the next one of the next levels in the game, the, the Warthog level where you're riding. Right. That, that one is the exact same thing where you have to just hold all the way to the right. Like, please go, go, go. Then back all the way to the left. It's like, if you're not, if you don't pretty much know the level, then it's hard, especially if you want to get all the boxes. Like, I attempted to get all the boxes, but then I gave up, like most things in this game. But <laughs> there's several times with the boxes where you had to, one, dodge a spiky pool, go extreme right to a box, extreme left to a box, and then back right to miss something. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to get those boxes, and I just kept missing it by pixels to break the boxes. No, that level specifically is literally just memorization, I think. Oh, it is. Yeah. Everything is always on a perfect timer. So as long as you just remember where things are going to be at what time, you can easily get through the level. Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about the bosses? Uh, they're, they exist in the game. Okay. That's, that's how, the best way to that's put it. That's how I feel too. Yeah. <laughs> like even as a kid, I remember the Papu Papu boss and it's over in what? 10 seconds, if that. So easy. It is. It's, but it's not even... Every single boss in that game is the easiest thing in the world. And then they give you these levels that are the most extreme things in the world. I feel like with the bosses, like it's almost like they're so easy that the game is anticipating you becoming impatient and that's how you lose. I could see that. That's a good point. Especially like the ones at the end of the game, like uh, the Nitrous Brio fight or the Pinstripe fight. It's like you're getting so annoyed that this boss has so many hits that like you just start getting like crazy and you start trying to get there quicker and then you get hit and die. Yeah, I, I definitely did that with, um, which one was it? The Ripper Rue level. Me too. Where I was just getting so frustrated that the timing wasn't working out with him jumping. I think out of all the bosses, Ripper Rue is the most time consuming. I will say at least that one has like something to it. Like there's something that like you have to learn and do. It's not just like stand here and wait for them to stop, then hit them. I think it's the only boss that does that, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Every single enemy is just you wait to figure out what the thing is that you need to hit. Then that thing happens, you hit it, and then you just continue on doing the same thing. Yeah. Ripper Roo is the only one where you could hit the box and it does nothing. So you got to do it again and you got to get the timing right. So I think that's the only one that actually takes some time to get right. That all being said, I think my favorite boss was uh, Pinstripe just because it's like so silly and like so out of place that you're fighting this like mafia boss in this game <laughs> yeah, with a the, gun. I, I never understood that decision to put a gun in the game. 
the way that like Crash like cowers under the chair while he's shooting at him, I'm like, who did this? <laughs> Why was this approved? I mean, I love it. And you know, I I forget if I read this or I'm just making this up, but I want to say that those like him and the enemies were inspired by Roger Rabbit. Oh, okay. When I think about it, Pinstripe kind of looks exactly like the one mafia boss in uh, Roger Rabbit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I could see that. Love that movie, by the way. And it's a cool, uh, cool pool. Makes sense, you know? So what do you think about Crash as a character, though? Like him himself, you know? I like it. Uh, I know this is the whole, hey, this is Sony's attempt at a mascot and all this stuff or competing with Mario and Sonic and all this stuff. I think... For a first game, for your first attempt at this mascot thing, I think it works perfectly. I agree. I think that he's just unique enough to stand like away from those two, right? Right. Sonic is like the cool guy. Mario's more like straight up like Mario's like a boring character, but he's iconic. And he's more geared, I feel like, towards kids. Whereas Sonic was like the teenager guy. I feel like Crash kind of sits somewhere between those two. That's actually a very good way to put that. Yeah, I would agree. It's one of those things of it's it's it was a fresh and new idea for this character and you have like the spinny move so now you have something that relates to like the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. And as a kid it's like, "Oh, I like that." And then you kind of link the two. So I think it was a very smart move on their part of how unique they made it. Yeah, and I also think the way that he like overexpresses himself and the way that the animations are it kind of fits with the cartoon style that was popular at that time too. You know, like Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life, the stuff that I was mentioning earlier when we were talking about Pizza Tower, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that and just all the things, even the music and stuff, like when you get the uh, Aku Aku mask. I think it's Aku Aku. Yeah. So like the music, like the upbeat tribal music is just gets you going, makes you want to go. And then, but also it's a unique perspective on it. If you think of... Uh, Mario and Sonic, at least early renditions of that, it's always like, oh, we're just doing side-scrolling. With this one, they're like, hey, we're going to do a whole variety of different levels. It's not going to be just behind this guy at all times. You're going to have side-scrolling. You're going to have running at the camera. No, not even just that. I think the overall vibe and like the music, the way they went all in on this specific concept I feel like is way better than what Sonic and Mario were doing at the time. Exactly. I think Sonic and Mario were always doing just the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, your levels change in how it looks, but the core gameplay was always the same. And I think Crash Bandicoot changed that up. And they're saying, hey, you only have two buttons. You can jump and you can spin. It's very simple for anyone to pick up, but we're going to change up how you have to use those throughout the game. No, that's true. We could talk about the whole, uh, you know, Super Mario 64 coming out right before this as well. Because I do think Mario 64 is obviously a way better game than this. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this game mostly just plays it safe, though. This is not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just trying to take the exact formula of kind of what was going on before that, but put it in 3D. Whereas, you know, Super Mario 64 kind of just created a different genre of platformer, whereas this one is just translating it if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put that. It's just trying to say, hey, we can do this too, but we're not giving you something that you haven't really seen before in a way. I think that that's, for the most part, why Crash probably didn't last. 
past the PS1, really. I mean, you know, he has games, but they fucking suck. And it's because they never really wanted to do something different, right? They just kept making those same Crash games again. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's a few of them that are a little different. Like, I know there's, like, handheld ones. There's a few spinoffs. But the core game of what Crash is really never changed. And you look at Mario, obviously, with Mario 64 and more down the line as well, and Sonic, who went from the 2D side-scrolling to fucking Sonic Adventure, which, however you feel about that game, still a huge transformation. And Sonic Adventure is just as iconic as the regular Sonic. So you look at Crash, right? He just stayed the same the whole time. And I think that they really needed that sort of evolution for this series to last. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things of going so into it in the first game like you have okay we're riding a warthog so now in the next game what do you do okay now we're gonna ride a polar bear uh and then the next game after that oh we're gonna ride a tiger you're not really changing much about the gameplay you're just changing the animal that you're riding same with the running at the camera thing like it's kind of like you said going all in on this first game that now you need to emperor you need to evolve that but how do you do that once you already gave everything you had exactly like they needed to come up with more, and they couldn't. So eventually, you know, you just kind of did all you could. The most I could think of was the uh, vehicles. They did add that, but... We'll, we'll save that for the episode on that one, but I hate the vehicle stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but... Let's, go, let's get back to the first game. We're getting a little off topic here. This isn't a Crash Bandicoot retrospective. But that's the whole thing with this, though. I think it's really hard to talk about the first game without also mentioning the rest of the series because of how big it is. Yeah, and you, you do want to give that full perspective too. You don't you can't play Crash in a vacuum, right? You play it knowing that there's better games in the series. Exactly. And with everything like this was a good starting point for the series. I agree. I agree. Uh I do think with how mean we said this game was, the amount of checkpoints sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, where Sometimes it felt like they gave you a lot of checkpoints and then other times it was almost like they didn't give you any checkpoints at all. I thought that too. Like, especially towards the end when you get into those harder levels, it would be one thing if they were expecting you to do all these crazy platforming challenges and you have the checkpoints, but they don't. They're like, do this crazy thing that takes, you know, all this time. Then what if the checkpoints are even farther apart? So it's just like doubling down on being mean in a way. Yeah, like the those one levels, I don't know what you'd call them, but when they're inside and you have the snakes and the spears coming out of the walls. So what I have written down for those is 3D rune levels. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to put that. There was a time when I was going through that, making good progress, made it pretty far, and I think I missed time to jump and I fell. I'm like, all right, no big deal. And it started me back at the beginning of the game, and that's when I realized I never saw a checkpoint this entire time. But then you have game levels like the bridge level where it's like, after every other giant gap, you have a checkpoint. With that one, I feel like they knew. Uh, yeah, it's like, this might be too hard of a level, so we need to give them as much as we can. I will say, with those 2D rune levels, I played one of them so many fucking times because I was trying to get footage of getting one of the keys. Oh, yeah. There's a hidden spot in one of them. You have to go to get the key. And like, you go to this bonus level, the secret one, and you get this key to find... Because there's two levels in the game that you can only go to if you find the keys and the keys are inside of the uh i think cortex bonus levels okay yeah i mean i definitely never knew that as a kid but 
I played the one rune level like literally five times because I kept missing it. And it was to the point where I just looked at a fucking walkthrough because I'm like, I cannot find this. Yeah. And with the amount of effort you had to put in just for those, like imagine that as a kid. How would we ever figure out to do this stuff? Someone would have to tell you at school or some shit. Or you like somehow can get on the internet. Or a gaming magazine that happens to have an article about it. Yeah, I mean, we had dial-up when this was out, so I wasn't looking that shit up whenever I wanted. I would have had to like wait and do it later. Oh, exactly. That goes back to like the three missing boxes. We would never know, oh, you need a gem to do this. Or if you do get a gem, how do you know it belongs to that level, you know? Yeah, I mean, you just have to figure it out on your own. And obviously now I would just not do that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even bother this time around. I will say I do like, I I like that bridge level though. Like I know that it's like tough as fuck, but it's a cool concept and I still liked it. Were you able to beat the bridge levels without using the rope? No. Uh, I I made it a point. I needed to beat these bridge levels without using the rope. It was difficult, but I did pull it off. Yeah, I didn't set any sort of rules like that for myself. I'm like, I'm just going to, this game's going to throw all this bullshit at me. I'm going to take the little things I can get like that, you know? Yeah, again, it was like one of those ones where I had to stare at the shadow more than anything to make sure I'm landing in the right spot. It is frustrating. I'm not going to pretend like it's not, but I like, you know, I like the aesthetic of it and I like that it's just a different kind of level, right? And I also, another one of those that I liked was the levels where it's dark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only a few of them, but I thought they were really cool. And it's it takes that whole thing of, Oh, we have been giving you the same levels throughout the entire game. Now here's something new to throw or spice it up a little bit that you weren't used to. You can say what you want about this game, but there is a lot of level variety. Oh, there is a hundred percent. Yeah, they do reuse levels a lot later on. Like I know you go back to the whole tribal, two D tribal areas a lot. Yeah. Uh, you go to the water levels a lot, but then they like to throw in new things every once in a while. I really like how you once you get closer to the end of the game, you start seeing these like machinery and like sciency levels. Like it's cool that they thought of it. You know, you're getting closer to Cortex, so it would make sense for these to change. Yeah, yeah. It if you look at it from a bigger view, it's it makes a lot of sense of being washed up on a beach. Now you have to work your way through the forest. Now you run into tribal people, and you're like you said, you're slowly working towards the castle. So it only makes sense that things start improving and uh, technology is increasing throughout each level because of that. Yeah. I mean, another note that I just had written down too is like, I think the map is sick. Yeah. Like how you go to each level. Yeah. Like the overworld map. It's like a 3D version of like Super Mario World or something like that. Yeah. My first thought was always Super Mario or Donkey Kong Country. I think they do that too. Yes. Yes. So it, it, it brings back that whole... Uh, nostalgia aspect of how some games used to do the map control. Yeah, and I just think it's cool to have it fully rendered in 3D like that, you know. Obviously, the things that we're mentioning were on Super Nintendo, so it wouldn't have had this, but I just think if you're going to go the traditional route, at least they took the extra effort and made it fully 3D, because they could have very easily just not did that. Or they could have just not had like a hub like that at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, it could have just been oh, here's the next level, oh, here's the next level type of thing. And I think that's one thing Crash as a series likes to do a lot is how do we make the experience of going to each level unique from each other? Yeah. I mean, after this one, they did the whole warp room thing and they kind of just stuck with that forever. But yeah, it's still nice that for the most part, you can go to any level at any time and it doesn't take more than a minute or two. So if you want to, you know, 
slam your head against the wall and get every box, you can do that. And it's not going to take you that long to get to every level. Exactly. Yeah. I, although I do think, like say you wanted to go all the way back to the first level to get all the way back there on the map does take a little bit of time, but it's nothing that would like make you that angry that you don't want to go back. Exactly. It's, you know, it takes time, but it's not that bad. No, no, not at all. Uh, what did you think about the story? Again, it's not, there's not a lot there. You get the story in the beginning if you don't push start at the beginning, and then that's kind of it. We don't, it would be nice to see other cutscenes as you play along. I think there should have been cutscenes after every boss or like after each island or something. I was going to say after each island, it'd be nice to have a little cutscene. Doesn't even have to be long, but kind of progresses the story a little bit more. Yeah, like like you could check in with Cortex and see what he's doing. It could be an opportunity for more of that comedy that they're kind of going for with how stupid he is. Yeah, yeah. Like imagine that they're aware that you're coming and you're closer towards the island. And then they, you have that comedic aspect of it of them panicking that you're getting closer. But Neo is like more confident about it. But Dealers are panicking. No, I mean, I, I think this story has pretty much the depth of like a Mario or a Sonic, really. There's not really that much to it. It's just like, you know, your, your girlfriend's gone. You have to go save her or whatever. You know, this has some extra elements to it, like the whole like he's converting animals into soldiers and all this stuff. But like, really, you could just not see that cutscene and it wouldn't matter. 100%. You is nice little backstory and kind of explains where you came from being a a bandicoot running around but it doesn't really do much we don't see any more from it aside from the enemies like we have or not the enemies but the bosses sure it gives the backstory to them but imagine if even if you weren't uh continuing along with the neocortex story what if after each island you kind of get the origin story of the next boss you're about to fight i like that that's cool yeah it just little things like that that don't have to take too much time but it kind of gives you, oh, this is the next person or maybe an origin story of the boss you just beat. Something like that of where did these people come from? Yeah. And at the same time, you know, I can see why they did what they did just because this is such a gameplay focused game, right? It's not cinematic or any sort of, you know, story focus in any way. It's literally just like, if you want to watch this cutscene, there it is. Now play the game. Yeah. I just think what it comes down to is like, at the end of the day, like, I don't think it's enough that I would say don't play this game, but it is enough that I would say only play this game if you want to play all the Crash games. Don't You don't need to play this one before you play the other ones, really. Not at all. You don't even have to. And if you do play this, you don't have to 100% it. You can just run through the level and just beat the level, and then you're done. Yeah, I mean, playing this casually is the way to do it for sure. Yes. Uh, to get 100% is so much dedication that... I, I personally don't have that dedication and I don't care to do it. I do like this game overall. You know, I don't think it's a bad game, but it just got improved so much with the sequels. It's really hard to go back to this one. And like we both said at the top of this, we were both excited to get into this and then we instantly realized how bad it was that we didn't remember. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if I would say bad is the right word. It's just extremely okay. <laughs> more clunky I, I would say clunky is the better word but yeah I looked up some reviews from the time right you know the way this show's going to end we're going to review it give our score then rank it and so I, I thought it would be cool to look at a couple reviews from around the time you know I pulled a couple quotes just to kind of give an idea of how it was received at the time before we give our answer about how it's received now 
Yeah, I like that idea. So what do you have for uh, some reviews? So GameSpot said that, and this is a quote, the graphics may be 3D, but the gameplay is as flat as roadkill on a four-lane highway. And then they gave it 6.8 out of 10. But what I did right here is that they compare the game to like Super Mario 64 a bunch. So like, you know, of course you're not going to be like, this game is better than Mario 64, you know? If you're trying to compare it to other 3D games like that, just because it's 3D, obviously it's not going to hold up. It's its own entity that you shouldn't be comparing to other 3D games like that. But I mean, at the same time, like it came out around the same time. Like they came out very close to each other. So I do get it. Yeah, I can see there, but I do agree with the fact of like, it's 3D, but the gameplay feels flat, I think is the best way to put the gameplay. I wouldn't go as extreme as like the whole roadkill on a four lane highway, but there are a lot of moments where the gameplay does feel flat for what it is. Um, I also have one from Game Informer, which gave it a nine out of 10. Uh, And they said, this is a game that all action platformer gamers must experience It's not completely original, but the overall feeling after playing it is truly unique. And, you know, I agree with some of that. You know, I think playing it is unique, like especially, like I said, the vibes, the way that it all feels and sounds like that is all unique. But the actual gameplay, I wouldn't say is that unique. Yeah, I would agree. I think they try to go with unique, but it's really not. It's just pulling ideas from everything else to make their game. Well, you know, like we were saying earlier, like, you know, the spinning of the boxes, all that little stuff like that. It's all cool ideas. But to me, it's not enough to make the game truly like, like Mario 64 created the whole like collect-a-thon style of platformer where you're just collecting things and exploring levels. This didn't really create anything. Oh, no, no, not at all. Yeah, so like that's why I wouldn't call it unique. There are things that are unique about it, But overall, this is not, like, revolutionary in any way, you know? No, it has its own soul of a game, but it's not truly as original as they wanted it to be, probably. Honestly, I think they should have made a cartoon of this. That probably would have done really well. I'm actually surprised they haven't. Yeah, that's a very good idea. It would work perfectly for a cartoon. Yeah, that's that's all I got for reviews, so... I thought about it for a few weeks, you know, kind of where I would be sitting with this. And I was originally a little bit higher, but then I kind of settled in at about a 6.5. Which is hilarious because I was doing the same thing. I started off high whenever I was first beginning. And then the more I was playing, I was trying to figure out where the number is. And I was settling on about a 6 for me. That's crazy. So that uh, it's great that <laughs> we were on the same page with that, though. Obviously, it is important that we don't tell each other what we're thinking and save it for this. Exactly. And I even I even regret putting my notes at the bottom of the podcast rundown because you were able to see that. But I think a 6 to 6.5 is perfect for this game. I didn't want to go to a 6 just because I felt like that's a little too low. But my personal rating system would be like a 7 is a good game that you know you have fun playing, but there's not that thing that elevates it to becoming great. Right. Yeah, I we've always kind of disagreed on rating systems, <laughs> even back in the day. I was honestly originally going to settle on a five out of ten, but I'm like, no, five out of ten is like it barely does its job. Yeah, that would be fucked up for you. To do that. <laughs> so the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, I, I can't give it a five. 
So six is good. And that, that, are we going to do averages? Because that'd be a 6.25 out of 10. I think that works. Yeah. I, I can agree with a 6.25, you know. Overall, my feeling is, is Crash is a great start, but there's a lot of little things that bog it down from being great. Yeah, it was a good stepping stone for what the series became is a good way to think about it. I think if you would have came in here and told me you were scoring it a five, we would have been arguing. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I couldn't bring myself to do that. So that's why whenever with your score, I, it's kind of nice that we were sitting at the same, about the same ranking. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure as we go on, there will be some more discrepancies where we do have to get into it. Because like, you know, coming into the show, I I said 6.5 and, you know, as our discussion goes, you might even change your mind as we're talking about it, right? Most of our discussion is about the negatives. Like, yeah, there are positives, but the negatives just come to the forefront when you want to talk about this game. So that's why I decided staying at 6.5 was good. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And obviously the next part after the scoring is the ranking, but because this is the first game, it's going to be ranked at number one for the time being. Yeah, I mean, so right now, Crash Bandicoot is the best PlayStation game (laughs) ever made. First episode, Crash is the best game. Uh, It's going to take a while before we start getting really getting into these rankings. We'll see. I don't anticipate Crash staying at number one for long, but the next game we're going to play, I have not played before, so we will find out. This sounds good to me. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this, please remember to like and subscribe as well as give us a good rating on podcast services. We'll see you next week. Mm